Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord where the children worship and reverence him. Hallelujah. You can bring it down just a little bit more. Thank you, Father. He's so worthy. <laughs> Every time, hallelujah, Satan think he got us. <laughs> the Father brings in a, a standard, and he raises it. <laughs> hallelujah. Bring it down just a little bit more. <clears throat> there it is. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> last week, thank you, Father. Last week, I taught on becoming the virgin church. And so this week, our journey to the Father begins with his son forgiving us as we receive salvation. But as we know, these two things are not the ends to themselves. The Father saves us so that he can transform us. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. And so when we talk about the new covenant, we often associate it with what we have received. But the new covenant also secures our transformation of sons and daughters in Christ as well. So the second lesson of the Become series that I will minister today is called Become Humble. <clears throat> Become Humble. Amen. Become Humble. So I have a question for you. Let me get my question up there. I have a question for you. How can we be transformed <clears throat> if we do not have the capacity to see what we must to see what we must change? How can we be transformed again if we do not have the capacity to see what we must change? So of all the virtues that Jesus elevated, humility was chosen above the others. We're going to go to our first scripture, Matthew 18 and 4. Matthew 18 and 4 says, So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, most of our emphasis when we look at this scripture is based upon uh, the fact that when we extract what we want from this scripture, we look at the very fact that he says that we have to be little children in the kingdom. And that is true, but we miss the first part of what Jesus said about these children. He said, anyone who becomes as humble, anyone who becomes as humble, 
meaning not all children in the kingdom are obedient. Not all children in the kingdom walk in humility. Not all children in the kingdom walk in honor. Not all children do what the Father tells them to do. Not all children are seeking his will, but they're seeking their own. So, for example, we see this in our natural children. And every parent in here who has more than one child <laughs> understands what I mean. Do we have favorite kids? No. We love all of our children. Amen. <laughs> but there's something about a child that does what you what does what you say when you say to do it. There is something about a child that matures and knows its parents' ways and what the parent wants. You tend to give that child more. You tend to give that child more responsibility. So we're going back to the scripture, Matthew 18 and 4. There's so much great mysteries in this. Not only is the father looking for humble children, but he also brought out at the end of this verse that in heaven, the height of greatness is measured by the depths of one's humility. So what makes humility such an incomparable attribute to have? Now, before I dive into more of this, I want to share some words and definitions that we need to know because often some of these words I'm getting to share with you are interchangeable, um, but we need to know the difference of the meanings of this word because we have to identify when we have these attributes, whether they're good or bad. So the first word is pride. Because a lot of times we say stuff, but we don't know what it actually looks like when it shows up. So the first thing is pride. Pride is the exaltation of your will and your plans over the one who made you. I call it, I got this father attitude. It's the I got this father, I got this. I don't need no help father. I got this, <laughs> I can do it myself father. So it's the exaltation of your will and your plans over the one who made you. Number two, haughtiness. Haughtiness. Now, haughtiness is actually a step further from pride. It is pride manifested outwardly, externally. It is excessive pride that has been built up and now it's out of control, which turns into what basically what haughtiness is, is pride and it's mixed with contempt or disrespect and now it's seen outwardly, it's being expressed outwardly. So that might mean, you know, uh, disregard for leadership, a disregard for anybody that may be over you kind of, you know, sly or kind of uh, what we would say smug in this culture. 
Number three, lowliness. Bring the music down just a little bit more. Lowliness. There it is. Lowliness is how you see your relationship in regard to God being your father and you being a child and how that relationship translates over to other people. So it's basically the concept of freely you receive, free, freely you give it away. Freely you receive the love from the Father, and you know that relationship, and then you freely give it away. It, what, it's what I would consider what the apostle already uh, spoke on, which was 90 degrees is the right angle. Remember that when he says, you can't say you love the Father if you don't love people. So it's the lowliness. It shows you that you actually have the relationship when what? 90 degrees is the right angle. When this part of the relationship for people is right, then that part is right. It shows in itself. So that's lowliness. Number four, contriteness contriteness and now we've seen David when he messed up with Bathsheba and how contrite he became about that so contriteness is to be humbled by your own sins nobody is humbling you you're humbling yourself is to be humbled by your own sins and failures to the point that it pushes you and it drives you to seek after the father it's basically what we call the act of falling on the rock instead of the rock falling on you. It's a heart that evaluates itself. It takes inventory of itself. And it sees that it needs help to change in areas in our soul, but you just don't know how to do it. And so because you don't know how to do it, you seek after the Father in order to help you do it. And the Father does what? He pours out more grace so you can do it. Number five, meekness. Meekness. Because we see a lot of these words in Scripture, and it seems like they jumble all together. So we need to know what they mean. Meekness. Meekness is a, what I would call a particular, it's a spiritual, um, it's like a reciprocity. It's where you're learning both from the Holy Spirit and you're learning from people who may seem, keyword seem, less capable of teaching us anything in our own eyes. We see them as less experienced, we see them as less educated, less important, or who otherwise may not appear to have much to contribute to our life. Meekness is an attribute that gives the one who possesses access to spiritual things and truth. So basically, it's receiving resources other, not just from Abba, but receiving resources from people. It is a trait which allows 
the one who possesses it to be constantly fed by the spirit. Why? Because with honor, it hangs out. It also hangs out with impartation. So basically what meekness is, is that even though you may not seem like you have much to offer me, even though it may seem as though you might be feel like, I might feel like you're less qualified than me, less educated than me. What I do, I lower myself and say, there's definitely something for me in you. And, um, and with that, I value you. I make you feel as though you are important. You do have something to contribute. I may not see it yet, but it's there. Then even in the midst of us right now, each and every one of us have something in here that we can actually add to ourselves if we would be meek in order to receive it. But the thing about it is that when, we dealing, when we're coming out of the world, the world says position is important. The world says that you got to have, you know, the right clothing on in order to receive. The world says you got to drive the right type of car in order to receive something, but that's not how it is in the kingdom. In the kingdom, you have gifts, you have talents, you have things in you that the Father has literally placed within you, but it requires meekness in order to extract it and pull it out in order to receive the impartation of what someone else has. Because what are you doing? You're bringing yourself low in order to receive from a person. So the bottom line of meekness is that meekness speaks to not placing yourself above another person as if they have nothing to give you. And last but definitely not least, humility. Humility is the absolute surrender to the Father to become like Christ. It deals with the condition and the posture of the mind. It deals with two things. First thing it deals with is healing, and you get that in the secret place. The second thing it deals with is deliverance, and you get that through the word. So humility is the spiritual faculty of the mind that allows us to perceive what we need from our Father. Humility denotes dependence upon the Father and the constant need for his guidance, the constant need for his support. And humility speaks, just like what I was telling you about meekness, that meekness speaks to not placing yourself above another person, but humility speaks to not, ple uh, um, not uh, putting yourself above the Father. So meekness says, I'm not going to put myself above you so I can receive something from you. But then humility says, I'm not going to put myself above my father. Now, when it comes to humility, no other virtue. When it comes to advancing in the stages of sonship, when it comes to the development of our gifts, when it comes to the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, none of these enters into our lives or even begins unless humility says, come in. So without humility, 
what we become are religious people. So let's see this. Let's consider Saul before his conversion. Saul before his conversions. Philippians 3, 4 through 6. Now, this is where Paul, <laughs> you know, he starts to uh, let the Philippian church know, look, if somebody want to boast, I'll do that. Let me start you off. I'll do the boasting. Now, this was where the scripture is. It says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. So he was a Pharisee. He was a zealot. And he was blameless according to him and according to the law. But yet interesting, yet on the road to Damascus, Saul had an encounter with the father. <laughs> so life changing to him that it literally changed his own opinion about himself. <laughs> Saul's religion had placed a veil over his own heart to the point that he could not see spiritually that the father had to blind him naturally. So just like the father met Saul on the road to Damascus, so will he at one point in our lives meet us on the same road to give sight to the blind. So, there is no comfortable way to say this, but confrontation with Christ will happen. Regardless of the way he exposes our need for him and to conform to the image of his son, the outcome will always be the same, that he places our feet on the path of humility. So not only does humility lead us to possess Christ's other virtues, it is literally the life essence that sustains us and renews all other virtues in which we receive. Now, I have a slide for this. It's humility that recognizes these things. It's humility that recognizes when any one of our virtues begin to grow cold. It's humility, if it's been a while since you used the stages of sonship to measure yourself to see if you're growing. It's humility that recognizes that you just can't use your gift without developing your character. It's humility that recognizes that one of the fruits of the spirit has grown cold, is inactive, or is just not growing at all. Humility provides a sustaining life to everything that plans on growing plans on developing, plans on advancing, plans on going to the next level. You can't get past humility without it. Therefore, 
if we think about the reality of possessing what we say Christ-likeness, that we are what chasing after, we should consider that humility is the path to progress. Every time we humble ourselves, we are advancing. Each time we possess meekness, we are embracing a sustained transformation. Humility is spiritual progress. And as we mature, we will examine many facets of Christ's life, but none is more beautiful to the eyes of heaven than his humility, his meekness, and his lowliness. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So put this on your mind. He who existed as the very form of God humbled himself. Nobody humbled him. He humbled himself and he became a man. The king, we're talking about the king, not a king, the king, put himself in a dirt body. Who would do such a thing? Who would do such a thing? The angels were having a fit. Why are you so mindful of human beings? Why are you so mindful of dirt? But he said it pleased him to do it because even after bringing himself down, he further brought himself down and became even obedient to death for our sakes. So for this reason, he said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Another translation says, learn from me. Because I am humble. I am gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Let's go to a book that we normally don't go to. <laughs> Zephaniah. I know, right? Didn't know that was in there, Father. Zephaniah 3, 11 through 12. On that day, you will no longer need to be ashamed, for you will no longer be rebels against me. I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. There will be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain. Those who are left will be the lowly, and the humble, for it is they who trust in the name of the Lord. Now, only the humble, only the humble will take refuge in the Father. 
So don't assume that you have found a resting place in him just because you are his child. Because he said the only ones that are allowed to experience me is the ones that seek me first. So his atmosphere where he rests and he resides is one of humility. And if there is none there, you will feel him resisting you. Just like he said in Zephaniah, I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. Holy Spirit, help me. We have to see what the Father is doing. We think that people left us, but no. The Father said, wow, Divine Generation Church, a place where I can rest. But there are some people amongst them that are proud. There are some people amongst them that are arrogant. There are some people amongst them that are haughty, that have their own agenda, that won't submit to leadership, and I'm the one who sent them to them for whatever reason. Those that have come into my house, he said, the audacity of them into the family of God and begin to cause confusion and division amongst the body of Christ. So he said, this is what I will do. I will remove my grace from them. I will resist them and I will remove amongst my children those who refuse to humble themselves. Because if the father can add to the church, such as those that need to be saved, if the father can set the lonely in families, if the father can draw kings to a city that is set on a hill, I'm pretty sure that he can take away people to protect the body of Christ. Why? Because it's his dwelling place. This is his dwelling place. He provides not just protection for us individually. He provides protection for the body of Christ. Protection is in what I call the Nepio salvation package. Is <laughs> in there. Is <laughs> in there. Trust me. Just like the word says, if those who left here would have remained meek, if those who left here would have remained lowly in heart if those that, that left here would have remained humble, just like the word says they would have remained with us. And now I see personally why the church has to preach Christ. I see right now why the church has to preach Christ first as the foundation because the message of Christ is a confrontational message. It is a message that gets right in your face and it demands that you change. Even talking about grace, even talking about humility are confrontational terms. Hallelujah. For instance, I can boldly make a statement that says only the humble, only the humble receive grace. 
We don't just have grace because we are children of God. How arrogant of us. We think that we have grace just because we are children of God. He said that grace is given. We don't just have it. It's available, but it's given only to the humble. And those that would refute what I'm saying would say, but Dr. Hardy, grace is given to sinners. I'm say, okay, that's true. But they get it by humbling themselves. That's how they get it. They humble themselves. They accept Jesus as Lord over their life. They humble themselves and they met Abba. I can't do it alone. So as we can see that grace is not just unmerited favor. I know we learned that in our religious circles. But grace is also his promise to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's why our apostle said that humility is submitting ourselves to the Father in all areas of our life that are insufficient. And we're asking him in our prayer time. That's why our apostle gave us the acronym of TRIP, for those that remember, when he taught us how to pray. He said TRIP was what? Yes. And when he gave teach, remove, impart, and praise, he literally gave us the equation for practicing humility. This is how you practice humility. Teach, remove, impart, praise. Then he gave us another equation, which was fasting, word time, giving, prayer, and fellowship. This was the equation for what? Practicing righteousness. So when we openly admit and reveal our flaws to the Father and say, Father, I have an issue with trusting others. Father, I don't know how to manage my finances. Father, I can't seem to shake this anger that's within me. Father, I have a porn addiction. Father, I don't feel like I'm enough. Father, my self-esteem is low. Father, I have a broken past. Father, I don't know how to be a wife. Father, I don't know how to be a mother. Father, I don't know how to handle my emotions. They're just everywhere. Father, I don't know how to be a husband. Father, I don't know how to be anything. Sometimes it's just... I don't know how to be anything. Show me. And what happens? He pours out more grace. Grace upon grace. So, why does he do that? Because this is the posture of a child. This is the posture of a child. Isn't that not true in the natural? Here's a little bit of a fun fact for you. Did you know that there are 43 earthly kings 
that are still heads of states today in the world. 40, there are 43, 43 earthly kings still in the world today. Now, when you enter into the presence of a king, it is common that you what? Bow before the king. So humility is our posture spiritually and which we bow to the king of kings. So if you don't come in humble, it is a direct act of disrespect. It is a direct act of arrogance. It is a direct act of pride because you're not acknowledging the one who sits over you. And that is how Satan got in trouble. As long as he was humble, he was allowed to stay. <laughs> but as soon as he became prideful, he had to be removed because he was changing the atmosphere of the household where the father lived. And we know Abba's not having that. <laughs> Amen. So let us listen again as we go back to one of the father's gracious promises in Isaiah 57 and 15. Isaiah 57 and 15. And it says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The Holy One says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. So pay close attention to what the Father is saying here. He said his throne is in heaven where he lives and he abides in eternity, right? Okay. Yet he says he also has the ability, even though he lives there, he says, he has the ability to, ex his, to expand his ability to dwell and abide in who? the contrite, and the lowly. Why? To restore them and to revive them. So revival doesn't come because we place a sign out front or we post something on social media and say, meet us at this date and at this time. Revival comes because you're transformed into Christ through humility. Because he says he revives the courage of those with repentant hearts and he restores the crushed spirit of the humble. That is what true revival is. How encouraging our father is. He promises to dwell with the contrite and the lowly. It is a promise. So I promise you, if you ever feel like you're unable to feel the presence of the Father at any stage of your life, just begin to take on a contrite heart. Keep practicing meekness. Keep practicing lowliness. Keep practicing humility, and you will forever be baptized in the Spirit. 
because he promised to come to you. He promised to dwell with you. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should repent about something he said because he can't back up what he said. He can back up what he said if he says that he's going to do it. So let's look at another great promise the Father gave us concerning humility in Isaiah 66, 1 through 2. Isaiah 66, 1 through 2. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who trembles at my word. The great king says, I have spoken, meaning that when he speaks a word, it's truth by itself. It has the final authority in heaven and on earth because the earth and everything that in it belongs to him. He sifts the nation. In, in search of a single type of person, a child of God that is humble, that is contrite in spirit, and who trembles at his word. Now, we went through all of the definitions of lowliness and meekness and humbleness. We're going to deal with tremble. Let's deal with the word tremble because he says that trembles at my word. Tremble is an emotional response to movement or sound. That's why when lightning strikes outside, right, what happens? We go like this, don't we? <laughs> it make us tremble when we hear lightning, right? Now, this is basically what repentance is. Repentance is an emotional response that happens when you read or you hear the word. This is important. Don't think this is something light. This is important because some people's hearts have grown cold, including Christians, and it is a clear sign that their spiritual emotional response system is off. Trembling keeps the heart a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And as you continue to be humble, as you continue to be meek, as you continue to be lowly, as you continue to be contrite and tremble at his word, you will feel the Father drawing nearer and nearer to you. And as he draws near to you and he begins to abide with you, he not only just brings himself to you, he brings his power to you. He not only brings his power with him when he comes to abide with you, he also brings your destiny with him. So, I'm getting ready to say some other controversial things, <laughs> just to put the spirit of offense down. <laughs> The things that we think 
God our Father is measuring in heaven concerning greatness are not the things that he's measuring. The, I'm going to say it again. The things that we think that the Father is measuring in heaven concerning greatness, keyword greatness, are not the things that he, are, is, he is measuring. For instance, I start off with me. Best thing to do. That's how you keep spirit of offense at bay. I start off with me. Okay, so me getting straight A's all the way through elementary school, me getting straight A's all the way through middle school, me getting straight A's all the way through high school, all the way through community college, all the way through upper graduate, straight A's all the way through my doctoral studies. It sounds exceptional, doesn't it? It sounds extremely exceptional, doesn't it? But guess what? The father can care less. <laughs> the father could care less. <laughs> But the father, we think he's measuring that stuff. But he like, okay, that's good for you. I can care less, though. <laughs> the use of all of our talents, the use of all of our abilities, the use of all of our gifts, even gaining more talents and more gifts from others who fail to use their own, he's not measuring that. He's not measuring how much we have in the bank, how much we don't have in the bank. He's not measuring if we went to an Ivy League school or if we went to a community college. He's not measuring if we dropped out of school in the fifth grade. He's not measuring that. He's not measuring if our IQ is 160, which in this world is considered to be a genius. He's not measuring that. I promise you. He's not measuring that stuff for greatness. He is measuring and recording your humility. He is measuring and recording your lowliness. He is measuring and recording your meekness. He's, he's measuring and recording in heaven the contriteness of your heart. How much you yield to him, how much you're obedient to him, and you hear his word and tremble at his word. That is what he's measuring. So, so I'm going to end with this prophetic demonstration. I'm going to end with a prophetic demonstration, a scripture, and a dream. So let's put the scripture up first, Matthew 22 and 14. I have it in several translations so you can see what I'm seeing. Now, Matthew 22 and 14 says this. It says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, I have it in several different translations. The New Living Translation in the King James Version says, many are called. I have the word called highlighted. So look at the words highlighted. I said, for many are called, but few are chosen. The second one says, for the NIV, for many are invited, but few are chosen. The Amplified Version says, for many are summoned, but few are chosen. And then the TPT version says, for everyone is invited to enter in, but few respond in excellence. Now, 
in Isaiah 66, 1 through 2, he revealed, remember, and told us what he is seeking. Now, these group of people right here represent the children of God. The group of people right here represents the children of God. And he told us what he's looking for. He says he is searching the earth, and he's looking for those that are humble. He's looking for those that are contrite of spirit. He's looking for those that have a heart that bows at his word. And he says to those who have these traits, I will choose amongst my children I called as vessels to use to give a greater grace to them to become, to fulfill the call on their life to reveal Christ and the heart of the Father. So this is what that looks like. So Pastor Kirby is standing in proxy like the Father. And so like I said, he said, many are called. So we're establishing this right here, which is these are the called. These are the children of God. Many are the children of God that are called. But he says, few are chosen. So how does he do the choosing? So Pastor Kirby, <laughs> just choose a few. <laughs> a few. <laughs> Amen. Now to think about it is this, and we often get this confused, we think that since he called us, he chose us. No. Many are called. He has called the children of God, but the ones that he decides to choose are the ones that say, I'm going to stay meek. The ones that he chooses to, to do his work and to use as vessels are the ones, he, the ones that say, Father, I'm going to stay lowly. The ones that he chooses are the ones that says, I want to do your will. I want to do your plans. Now, to think about it, these are the children of God, by no doubt and by no means. But remember what I said, just because you say you are a child of God don't mean that you are an obedient child. Just because you say you are a child of God doesn't mean that you are humble. Just because you say you are a child of God, it don't mean that you're lowly. Just because you say that you are a child of God doesn't mean that you have a contrite heart. You're just children. But he says he's seeking for those that are humble. Amen. Thank you. And the reason why, like I say, he does that, because, like I say, he wants to use the vessel. Not only does he just not want to use the vessel, but he's trying to reveal Christ to the world, but he needs vessels that are obedient. He not only wants to reveal Christ to the world, but he also wants to reveal the heart of the Father. And he can only do that through vessels that are meek and lowly and contrite. So I end with, as I promised you, with a dream my sister Renee had. And in the dream, I'll do you the short version, there was a storm coming in the dream. 
and we were attending a woman's conference, and a lot of the women decided to go left, but the women at Divine Generation Church decided to go right instead of going left. We were not following the crowd. Then she said that we found shelter in a warehouse that we found, and she mentioned in the dream that all of the women that were at the conference could have fit safely in this warehouse if they had went right like us. It had room for all of the women, she said. And there, and from there, she asked me a question, and she said to me, Dr. Hardy, she said, as, the, as she told me that the women could fit safely in there and there was room for all of them, but they decided to go left, and I told her in the dream as a response, I said to Renee, I said, I invited. Now remember, Matthew 22 and, four, and, and Matthew 22 and 14, it says, for many are invited. Now in the dream, I told her, I invited many of the women, but not all responded. And I told her, but we're going to do it the Father's way. So my message to you today, children of God, is to become humble and remain humble because in the kingdom, greatness is measured by your humility. Amen? Amen. So let us pray. Let us stand and pray.